It's Derek and Donna back at the Ancient Pathways. And this is our fifth episode, which is actually part B of our fourth episode. And we pick up right where we left off. See ya. See you soon. Bye. Well, I suppose one of the things that we realised is that the Lord's got us back on the horse in that sense. And Yeah. So, so, so coming back then to um, having been absent from the podcast for so long. Yep. Um yeah, the benefit. Just I suppose sometimes God does take you aside and take things away mm. so that we do get to know him. Yeah. Um, and I think that's essentially yeah. it. That's what's occurred. That, and mm. that comes back to what we were talking about with sent ones, mm. you know, and the training. It's not a training in a institution. It's a, it's a learning Christ. Yeah. It's learning him, knowing him, and that's the training that they had. Yeah. Um, and... It's just vitally important because you just come to see how little you've known of him and how, mm. how I'll speak for me, how what I had known of him was just so much in my head mm. and in my heart, but just not enough, just not deep enough mm. to ever be able to. But did really you ever realise that? No. When was it that you actually realised that what you had was not deep enough? Not until I knew him more. And how did that occur? I suppose initially the the revelation that came to me that everything's about Jesus, that was kind of like the carrot in front of the donkey. How did you have a revelation that everything was about Jesus? Because I realised that I didn't know Jesus. (laughs) But how did you realise you didn't know Jesus? Because I heard you. I heard you when you listened to Frank and Leonard's sweets. Was it because of what I said? It was because I heard you you were so impacted by that message mm. that that was saying to you, and that's what you shared with me, was that it was bringing you back to your first love. Yeah. And you realised how when you were first saved as a little boy, yeah. how you everything was about Jesus mm. and how the family that, brought you to the Lord, they always spoke about Jesus. Yeah. But then as a older man gotten into institutional church practices, mm. that had all gone and it had become your Christian life had become about everything else. Yeah. And so when you were confronted with that message mm. or, you know, ministered to by that message and you were impacted and, and had that realisation mm. that you'd lost that. Yeah. And that it was about Jesus and you were broken over that. Yeah. You were lamenting over that. And I couldn't relate to that. Mm. Um, so then what made you relate to it? Because I suppose So it, that sent me just asking God, saying sure. God saying to God, I only I only ever really have known 
God, as in G-O-D, God. Yeah. yeah. Um, what I have known of Jesus has been just like a little child's Bible version of Jesus. Mm. Um, but I realised that I just really didn't know him. It's like you had experientially come into the knowledge of God and his reality, mm. mm-hmm. but the the knowledge of Christ was mm. not the same. Exactly. So, yeah. so what it then? It just wasn't the depth, the same depth. What was the turning point for you to realise, apart from it just being a knowledge that, hey, maybe I don't know Jesus more, mm. what was the turning point for you to actually see or to experience mm. that thing that changing change, you? Yeah. Well, I started to pray and ask God to reveal Jesus to me. Right. Okay. And yeah. what happened as a result or so through then, that? So then after that, after a few weeks of doing that, and was I that really just a, like meant a, it. Was that just a, you really meant it? Okay, that's what I was trying to get at. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it wasn't just yeah. a, oh, Lord, reveal Jesus to me. No, I was really, when I realised that I didn't know Jesus, I was um, sad by that and and something inside was like, that's not how it's meant to be. I'm supposed to know him and I've, I've lived 40 years missing out mm. on knowing him and and I took a risk outside of my own religious paradigms to actually ask the Father to reveal Jesus to me. Like even that mm. was outside of my norm in my understanding of God. Um, so clearly it was God drawing me to this place. Anyway, so, yeah, my prayers were, were desperate prayers because mm. um, I could see that there was a great lack and a great need. And And then as a result of that, uh, you know the story. One, I do, but, one but others morning. don't. Yeah, one. Well, I do talk about it on my blog site. Do you? Yeah. Well, tell us. You, <laughs> t- t- tell everyone your story. So one morning, Derek and I were sitting at the kitchen bench, and uh, just having some time with God. And I always just referred to him as God, not the Lord. It was just God. And uh, so we're having time with God then, and just reading the scriptures. And uh, so we were just sitting there. I had a vision that probably lasted maybe one and a half seconds and it was, this is how I always describe it, it was like the opening scene of The Simpsons with the blue sky and the white clouds. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you saw Homer. (laughs) And uh, so I just saw the blue sky and the white clouds and the white clouds separated and instead of saying The Simpsons, there was Jesus (laughs) in the sky and with his... Hands reached out. Just a very cliche picture of Jesus that you would see on lots of posters and stuff like that, I suppose. And um, and he was wearing purple and there was no clarity to his face or anything like that, but it, it was Jesus. I knew it was him. Mm. But what was more, way more profound than seeing that, because as I said, it's like many posters I've seen, I guess, And it's just as I'm saying that, it's cool how God meets you where you are, where you're at, but takes you further as well because just in in that one and a half seconds, it was what came to me Mm. in understanding, which was revelation, obviously. And it was just suddenly I knew everything was about Jesus, Mm. everything. And I remember at the time... I think I probably shouted it out or said it out loudly or something. Yeah. Everything's about Jesus. I remember that. And then I said, even tithing. Mm. 
And I don't even know, I still to this day can't understand why that was so relevant <laughs> because, I mean, I'd been a tither in my earlier years but I hadn't tithed for a long time and um, and I think I'd been enjoying the freedom of not being bound to tithing. Anyway, so that was just kind of weird that that, that came, but that's what came. Everything mm. was about Jesus and from that second... I've never, it's never been any different. It's only increased. Yeah. And uh, my desire then to run after this Jesus that everything is about has just become my relentless pursuit, I suppose. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I suppose it's like, you know, we've only got one person in the New Testament to really compare that with. I mean, there's many others, but two that stand out, and that's Paul and Peter. Mm. You know, we can see the – Paul is probably the better example in that he's the model redeemed sinner mm. in that he was turned around on the road to Damascus where he had his meeting, his revelation mm. of Christ, mm. the revealing of Christ. The funny thing is even if you look at that situation, Paul didn't stop and say – he didn't say, God, who are you? Mm. And Jesus didn't say, when he said, who are you, Jesus didn't say, it is I, God. Mm. Mm. He said, it is, it, I am Jesus, mm. the one you are persecuting. Mm -hmm. So there's a profound insight yes. there when you think of it because, you know, we can talk about God. Mm -hmm. like, like you said, your own testimony, and, and I was exactly the same mm -hmm. in that when I was younger, uh, we used to go along to church, used to go along to the Catholic church. Mum used to take us along there. We'd talk about God. Mm. I mean, we still refer to God, but our reference to God is the Godhead, the God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and it's just it's rattles, the, it's, rolls off the tongue. It, it rolls off the tongue. Mm. But this very specific uh, revelation of Christ was unveiled to the only way I can say it. I remember Deverne Fromke saying this: that Paul was the model of redeemed mankind. So you could see how Paul was just like any of us. Mm -hmm. He was just a human. He wasn't God in flesh. Mm. No, he wasn't Christ. Christ was the epitome of God's thought in that spirit indwelt flesh, that man, God indwelt humanity. And so Jesus was the epitome of God's thought, the original thought. And he was also the fulfillment and the satisfaction completely of God's original thought. But Paul was the model of fallen humanity redeemed mm. and put back onto the right mm -hmm. track. Mm -hmm. So Paul was the one that was called to model to all of us. Paul had a special and unique calling, as we know, in that he, he was the one that God revealed the mystery to. Mm. But in that also, Paul's modeling, where he said, follow me as I follow Christ, Paul's modelling of receiving revelation of the mystery is also for our example. Mm -hmm. Okay, Paul received revelation of the mystery, so therefore... Yeah, how am I going to get the mystery without I, I, revelation? I, well, it's actually saying I need... Only revelation. ...to have a revelation of the mystery exactly. too. Paul so had a revelation of Christ. Well, I need a revelation yeah. of Christ. Okay, so mm. there's this uh, element of example in Paul as that redeemed human mm. that 
examples to us all the very things that need to take mm. place in us. Mm. So if we ever re- if we ever remain satisfied just saying, I see God, God, yes, absolutely. It says that heavens pour forth speech. They declare day and night mm. the realities of God. Mm-hmm. You know, all creation it speaks of his presence. Yeah. But it's like that we have this general revelation of the reality of God of being a creator, mm-hmm. there is a God, there is a higher power, there is someone outside mm. of this universe that's yeah. watching us yeah. and that's looking after us. The so man upstairs. The man upstairs. Mm. There's, there's this element of within us, within us all that says there must be God. Mm-hmm. So when God is uh, like that general term, as you say, that's been used right throughout, mm. right from the very start, in the beginning God. But God's specific, very specific intention is that he wrapped up everything. Mm-hmm inside of his son yeah and so therefore the very intention of god's heart the very intention of the godhead would that within a specific member of the godhead reveal the fullness of Mm. who he is Mm. he would reveal Mm -hmm. the father in completion Mm. he would reveal and bear the spirit in fullness Mm. there wasn't anything that was lacking in in the representation representative member of the Godhead who was ultimately the one who was sent Mm -hmm. to restore what was lost. And so Mm -hmm. in Christ coming as that human being fully human but also fully God, he was the complete and ultimate thought of God's original intention in the garden where he said, let us make man in our image. Mm -hmm. And so Christ was the image in actuality. Mm. He was the complete thought of God. Mm -hmm. And he came and he said, this is what I wanted for you all along, Mm. that within you I would dwell. Mm. Within you I would live, abide and exist, and the two would coexist in complete harmony, humanity and divinity dwelling together. Mm. Um, It's beautiful. Yeah, and that is the intention of God from the start to the end. We can see that very thing needs to be a revelation. Yeah. It needs to be not just captured by the intellect, the, the, the mind, the natural mind, the frontal lobe, the, mm. the things that compute in our brain. It needs to go to the very core of our spirit yeah. and like in that dark place be illuminated mm. like a candle being lit and we go, wow, Jesus, mm. it is all about you. You are the answer. You are the very thought and intention of God. Mm. And it is you. I have loved forever, but I haven't realized it until now. Exactly. And a revelation changes you. Mm. So you could even ask the question, what is a revelation? How do you know you've had a revelation? Or how do you know you haven't had a revelation or whatever? Was I saved before I had that revelation? Yes. Was I going to go to heaven if I had died before I had that revelation? Yes. (laughs) But so how do I know it was a revelation? Because it changed me. It's like. Yeah, that's it. And when you do look at Paul, he was changed. Absolutely. Forever. Spun on a dime. Yeah. Forever. Mm. And it's like, it's a bit like Narnia's wardrobe. Mm. Okay. You better explain that one to me. (laughs) (laughs) Like. You, you you start off in the, the normal natural house 
and then go through the back of the wardrobe and you see this other realm, this other reality that's not in the normal house and you've stepped into there and that's the revelation. I mean, you've got to come back to your normal reality, your normal everyday life, but you're changed because of what you've seen because, you know, in the story, they're changed. Like they know who they are now. They don't go back to being the same kids they were. The revelation, the experience continues to live on in them. That's the opening of the yeah. when, like, God pulls the curtains back yes. and unveils. Yeah. So that's like the wardrobe, what was behind it and in this other realm was unveiled to them. Mm. And that's what God does. He unveils our earthly sight mm. and gives us heavenly sight for a moment. Mm. We see this other reality. Yes. The yes. true reality. So true it's reality. like... In that moment for me, God just pulled back those clouds yes. and I could see with heavenly eyes yes. that Jesus is everything, everything's about him. Yeah. And and then he shuts that up again. Yes. But I'm changed by it. Yes, it's it remains, like I, yeah, it doesn't go. It's not disappeared with the revelation. It's like now that revelation is in me. Mm. It's living in me. Yes. And it takes up root in me mm. and alters my direction. Yes. Something that I think that some Christians might have difficulty with and I think I've had difficulty with is that is understanding the nature of the Godhead in the fact that everything is about Jesus because yeah. what about the Father, you know, and what about the Holy Spirit and what have you. So I find it absolutely fascinatingly beautiful that the Godhead, put in brackets, Father, Son, Spirit, mm. all decided to dwell inside the Son. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And that was the good pleasure of God. Yes. The Father, That's Son, it. Spirit. Yeah. That was his slash their <laughs> plan. Good pleasure. Yeah, the good pleasure. To dwell inside just the Son. And so the Lord can change our paradigm from separating them. Just, you know, in the scripture about and that please the fullness to dwell in him. Yes. And the fact that God revealed to me that everything is about Jesus, it's his good pleasure that it is that way. Yeah. That's, yeah, we don't need to understand it's or even try pleasure. to contradict that or yeah. try to interpret it differently as yeah. to what the scriptures might reveal. It's their good pleasure yeah. for it to be that way. Yeah. The Spirit agrees with that. Yeah. The Son agrees with that. Mm. The Father agrees with that. Yeah. So it's okay, folks. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's interesting that Je one of Jesus' names is the Amen. Yeah. Mm. Like it's right at the very end of yeah. Revelation, that one of the names of Jesus is the beginning. Yep. So you see Jesus is in the beginning and he's the Amen at the end. Mm -hmm. And everything the in between. Alpha and the Omega. Alpha and the Omega. And in Isaiah is even proclaimed that he'll be called Wonderful Counselor. Mm. That, well, that's the Holy Spirit. Yes, the that's right. And he's called Everlasting Father. That's right. Yeah. So there they are. They're all there. They're all there, They're in, all there. in Jesus, in, in Christ. Christ. So I think when I began to realise that, it was just like him saying, it's okay. Mm. You don't, it's like the Father saying to me, it's okay, Donna. I'm okay with it. <laughs> it's how we all want it. We all want it like that. Mm. And the Spirit saying, it's okay, we all want it like that. Mm. And Jesus saying, it's, we all want it like that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I've heard it said that you, I'm going to make up a word here, yeah. I don't know if it's a, but hierarchize the Godhead. 
Um, that's a good word. Hierarchicize. 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 Or, or to put in a in a hierarchy, mm-hmm. the um, the Godhead. So the Father, of course, must be first. Yeah. So everything must be yeah. about the Father because the Son is subject to the Father. And that is true. Scripture says that. And the mm-hmm. Spirit is subject to the Son. Mm-hmm. That's true. That says that. Mm-hmm. But we put them in a, an order of one, two, and three. Mm, we do. You know, of highest. According to our earthly. Our filters. earthly. Yeah. Our, mm. our parents and all that mm. sort of thing. So we can, dad's the head of the family, mm. and you know, mum's second, and kids have got to follow and do everything mum and mm. dad says. And in the light of that, how humble is the father? Yes, that's right. How's his nature? Yes. Where the three coexist co equally. Everything is pointing to the fact that the father wanted one who would represent, and so therefore the son was the full representation of everything that Godhead was about. Mm. And he is the, the resplendence of that. Mm. He is the outshining mm. of that intention. He is the fullest representation. Mm. And therefore, because of the glory of the Son that the Father had intended upon the Son, they all chose to dwell in him mm. and say, yeah, this is the place to be because mm. he is the one that we have chosen to mm. dwell in and all the fullness so and everything. The fullness is everything because it says, all you know, like we were saying before, the Colossians saying all things were created in him. Mm. Well, if everything is created in him, well, they're not outside of him. Mm. They're in him. Mm-hmm. You know, we have been brought, we are in Christ. Mm. Like it says now the believers, we as believers are in Christ mm. and we've always been in him. Mm. Because everything exists and coexists within him. Mm. But to be in Christ now in terms of being one with him, mm. no longer being contrary to him, mm. living outside of him, living in death rather than living in life, that is a new whole, complete new mm. journey into to Christ mm. and knowing him. Mm. Yeah, so. Mm. So how would, you, how would you describe the eternal purpose of God? I think I would probably have to come back to what I was saying before, how Christ is God's ultimate thought that man and God would coexist and Mm. dwell together Mm. in complete harmony Mm. where within Christ you see a complete laying down of his own life and his own will so that the Father could find his fullest expression through the Son Mm. because there was no impediment to the Father giving expression of himself at all Mm. through the Son. Therefore, the works that Jesus did were not his own. They Mm. were the Father's Mm. works. Everything that occurred, that God was in Christ redeeming the world to himself, where Paul says that it's not me that labours but Christ so mightily labouring in me, Mm. the power of Christ. And Mm. so it's the same thing in Jesus himself in that he lost his life entirely to the will of another and became so one with that will that the Father was not restricted at all in the Son. Mm. Even though he was limited to one person and the power of God limited to one person, that power was able to be released in its fullest. Mm. There is this harmony that exists and I think that's the original intention. Let us make man let us make man in our image. Mm. Man in living in the image of God is Christ. Mm. Full realization of mm-hmm. God's ultimate intention. Mm. His eternal purpose 
always was and always had been that he would take up residence in humanity Mm. and that he would dwell in a company of people Mm. and the company would be in complete harmony and it's because of that environment that Christ once again is able to be seen. And, the, and Christ is revealing the Father too, once again as mm. well, and he's revealing the Spirit. Mm. He reveals the Godhead in the earth. Mm. And, um, but that, that redeemed humanity, because that's what we are now, God, God restoring his eternal purpose has to take place within a vessel that is willing, that, that had become willing because they had seen the Christ and that their lives were then no longer their own. They were given up and given over, not as individuals, as I say, but God's intention is that he would form humanity into one expression, one cohesive expression, not losing individuality or variety, but demonstrating God through that individuality and variety, being so cohesively one that they form and express the intention of the Father from the very beginning. And that's what the church is. Mm. The church is to be that. But um, as we know, we express so many other things in the modern church. So tell me about what did you experience of the church, of Christ in the church during your time in Perth? Yeah, that's a hard to explain in the sense that we, I suppose it's like seeing that. Um, Jesus said to Philip, or Philip said to Jesus, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. Jesus said, Philip, have you not known me? You know, I and the Father are one. And it's like if I was to say to the church, church, show me Jesus and I will be satisfied. And it's like Jesus saying through the church, Derek, have you not known me? Mm. I and the church are one. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing mm, because that's a great answer. Yeah, and mm. it's because what Jesus emanated, what he diffused, was the life of the Father, and therefore being in the presence of Christ changed these men. Mm. And and so I could say with the church, it wasn't the people mm. as much as it was Christ in the people mm-hmm. being expressed, mm-hmm. and and sometimes that was unconscious. Mm. It was an unconscious thing. A lot of times. But there was this effect. Yeah. There was this overflowing effect that changed us. And Mm -hmm. we and it was only at later periods we could look back and go, Well, wow, that was the Lord. Mm -hmm. But then there were those times where um you know, when I think of Revelation where Jesus walked amongst the lampstands, there was this very similar experience where within that lampstand because the lampstand is representative of the church. Within that lampstand, Jesus was walking among us. Yeah. And and he became, in a sense, he became visible to us. Yeah. But not visible as in the people, like the people in the church were visible. He became visible with another set of eyes. Mm-hmm. And he, I was able to. There were certain moments and certain times where I thought, "Lord, I see you here. Mm-hmm. I can see you giving expression to yourself. I can hear you speaking. I can see you moving among us." And all I can say is, I was able to see Christ mm-hmm. in that. And um, it mm-hmm. wasn't a sense of His presence as such, like what we have always considered. 
you yeah. know, when we've felt God bumps or when, you know, we've, oh, I can feel the presence of God in this place. It mm. wasn't even that. You no. know, I've seen, I feel I've seen something greater than that. Amen. I didn't, and, and that is like, I don't know, it's just at a, a just at a, a completely different level that's not as high as what I feel like I've now mm-hmm. experienced. Mm. Experience of seeing with another set of eyes that are mm. not natural, not my natural eyes, mm. but with a sense of spiritual eyes, seeing Jesus walking amongst us mm-hmm. like he did in Revelations, and mm-hmm. it's right there, walking amongst the lampstands mm. and saying, not that I saw him physically, that's but it's right. like I could see him. Yep. You know, yeah. it's very hard to really actually describe Because it's it. not like... um when you say you see with spiritual eyes, it's not like a vision. That's yeah, that's right. It's like you've stepped into another realm. Yes, that's it. Yeah, and, but yeah. You, you can't see it, but you're in it. But yes, that's Would right. Would you say because it's like it's like being in the two realms? Yeah. Jesus, he successfully lived in one physical yes. realm while living successfully in the spiritual realm, wasn't yes, he? Yes, yes, that's and, right. And he can still do it. And the way he does it is in his church. Yes. He lives in the physical realm through his people, but he also expresses himself through this other realm called the spirit. Yep. And he is coexisting beautifully within that same realm where he can find a people that have come together with him as the head, him as the mm. foundation, him is the Lord of all, and they've all given up their lives and, mm. and be able to say, Lord, you are head of the table. We yeah. submit to you. And in that times during the course of living in such a community, you can begin to see Christ walking among us yeah. and speaking to us. And that is an otherworldly experience, <laughs> another realm experience. It's amazing. Mm. And, and it goes beyond, like I was saying, goes way beyond Oh, I feel the presence yeah, of God in this place right. because there were times where I didn't feel anything, but I saw mm. something yeah. that ex- so ex- super exceeded that sense of feeling God's presence. Yeah, it, it just went way above it because I was actually seeing Christ. Yes, <laughs> and there could be months and months and months at a time where there is no sense of His presence. Yes, but it's like then it's the other aspect that you said before, where at some point in your life you go, "Wow, that was the Lord." Yeah. I didn't even see him. Like I had no sense of him, didn't see him. But now I can see he was so there. He was so manifested. That's right. And so there's all these different expressions of him that are able to be revealed and come out amongst a community of believers like that. Yeah, exactly. And you said about um, where the people have given up their lives. So so what what do you mean by that? I I suppose in a way I We've always got to come back to the master. Mm-hmm. The master was completely, he says, I have not come to do my own will, but of the will of the Father who has sent me. Mm-hmm. And I just see that Christ, he was it. He was the master servant who is not greater than the master. We cannot claim to be above Christ in who we are if we confess mm-hmm. to be a Christian, if we confess to be a believer, a follower of Christ, then exactly the same thing needs to take place with us in John 12, Jesus said, "It's like a seed going into the ground. Unless that seed dies, mm. it remains alone. But if it dies, it brings forth many seeds." And then Jesus goes on to say, "If you would follow me, you must." In essence, he was saying, "You must do the same thing." Yeah. He said, "You must take up your cross daily and deny your own life, mm. 
And Jesus was just explaining that you too also, like that seed, must deny your own life and go into the ground. Mm. You must die to your life so that as a result, there will come more life. Mm. How did you see that occurring amongst the saints? Well, I mean, it was where there, if there was a some type of uh, disagreement, mm-hmm. then we would lose mm-hmm. the argument mm-hmm. rather than divide over an argument. Mm-hmm. We would say, okay, I'll, I'm sorry. I would apologize. I would, they would, we would work to remain together rather than separate. There was difficulties in the group. We wouldn't say, well, I can't get along with you anymore. I've got to go. I'm mm-hmm. leaving. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't leave. We would stay mm-hmm. over those difficulties, or through those hard things, mm-hmm. where there was tensions, pressures, all that. We denied our own life, just like Jesus asked us to do, and re- we remained together. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it was lived out just in very simple, practical things, that you might think are really insignificant mm. and not value as much as the bigger things, like what you're saying, there might be personality clashes or yeah. like a, a very obvious disagreement or tension or something. And so um, the laying down of your lives is preferring the others, apologising, you know, humbling yourself, choosing to lose mm. an argument or to, rather than lose the peace between yeah between each other and that sort of thing. But then there was very practical little things like if you just didn't feel like going anywhere but a, a, a saint rang up and said, do you want to get together and do this, just yeah. choosing to say yes. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Even, even that kind of thing. Yeah, it wasn't always a negative situation. Yeah. It could have been something, as, as you say, as yeah. practical as that. Well, you just don't feel like it. it and just that is the denying of your own life as well. It's just when you don't feel like doing something. Mm. Uh, can even be, and it was at different times we saw, where a quieter member of a group had to deny that comfort yeah. to actually speak up yes. and address something or share something or yeah. do something or say something that normally they don't feel comfortable to do, yeah. but to do for the sake of Christ in the group. Mm. Um yeah, lots of just little things like that. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's part of that, that scripture that Paul says, you know, do not forsake the assembling together, mm. which some are in the practice of doing. Mm. That's a big one. That is a big one because yeah. traditionally that verse has been used as a as a guilt stick to beat yep. people and say, come along to church. Mm. Well, it's basically stating that if we don't assemble, then the members of Christ's body are not assembled to give expression to Christ. But that becomes a revelation in itself as well, is that we begin to see the body of Christ is the reality of the church assembled. Yeah. It's not an individual. That's right. I'm, I, by myself, am not a, the body of Christ. I am a member of his mm-hmm. body. Mm-hmm. So I am one portion, one little piece of it. But by myself, and mm-hmm. this is where the whole, you know, the axe at the root, I suppose, of that type of thinking where we begin to say, Jesus and me, and I don't need anybody else. Mm. Jesus and me, and I don't need thee. Mm. You know, like the eye saying to the ear, I have no need of thee. Mm. That's not true. No. That's not true, as (laughs) R.C. would say. (laughs) (laughs) That's not true. Um, So, and it can't be true. How can that exist within the New Testament sort of framework Mm. or within the revelation of what God has done? Mm. If he's redeeming many, 
to himself and bringing many brethren into glory, then how can we be united as one if we are so walking separately from one another? And if we're made in his image, <clears throat> yes, he's three in one. He is community. He is community. Otherwise, it's like Jesus is out there on his own yeah. doing his own thing and the Father's out there doing his own thing and the Holy Spirit's doing his own thing mm. and that's not who they are. Yeah, that's they right. They are community and that's we've been made in God's image. Exactly. Yeah, That's really an independent well, it's a, it's, it's the independence independent of our soul nature, life. Isn't it? It's, it dwells within yeah. every person. Yeah, uh, that's the nature of of what we live. Like Paul said in Romans seven, you know, there's no no good thing dwells in me that mm. is in my flesh, mm. and the tendency of our lives, if left unattended by the pursuit of Christ. It gravitates towards its own self interests. Yeah, um, and that's the self life being present and active within each and every one of us. So, mm. But we're called to deny our life. Yeah. And that's the ever-present reality of the cross. Because mm. Jesus said, if you would come after me, you must deny your own life and take up your cross. Mm. But the fact is we can choose to lay the cross down. Mm -hmm. God will not override our will. No, that's right. And this is the ever-present part. There's no condemnation in this. This is the facts of our condition in which we live we have been changed and we can live according to the higher life that now indwells us. Mm -hmm. We can choose to live by that yeah. Yeah. And, and that's by denying our life. Yeah. That's how we live by that higher yeah. life. Otherwise, we dwell in the earthlies, yeah. not in the heavenlies. And I think that independent thing that we all have in us where, you know, in the old days when I was part of the IC, I would go through seasons where mm. I was – just couldn't get enough of being with other, with my Christian friends. Couldn't get enough of the praise and worship and being at mm. church and mm. just loving the sermons and just loving that presence of God. You're talking yes. about it and go through those seasons. And then there are other times where everything felt very dry and whatever. And, and uh, that continues on in a certain way. But my point is that that scripture about don't forsake the getting together. Yes was used as a guilt stick, yeah. even just in my own theology, not with anyone saying that to me, oh, but okay, in my yeah, own yeah. expectations on myself. Yeah. And it was a drag. Like a law. Yeah. Become a law. Yeah. So when I didn't feel like it, it was a drag to have to go to church. Mm. I was at every Sunday, every Wednesday night, every dinner, everything that was on, and, and almost like, can I give myself permission to just not go this week, to mm. not, you know, and it was a really big deal. Mm. But when you've got true and authentic body life and you're seeing that it's Christ, like when Jesus said to Paul, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. Yes, that's right. When Paul was persecuting the church. Yes. So now when there's an authentic expression of Christ amongst the saints and we realize it's Christ, mm. not the people, then you understand that. You yeah. understand the don't forsake the assembling of my body parts. Yes. Don't forsake the assembling of who I am. Yeah. So not only is it a sense of the Lord saying that, but it's a sense of I want to be assembled. Yeah. I want to fulfill my part in assembling yes. Christ's body today. Yeah. Yes. Because it comes back to what you said, you you see Christ. He's there amongst the lampstand. Mm. He's revealed among us mm. where people are denying themselves in all manners of ways 
and Christ is given his headship. He is present, he is revealed, he's heard, he's Mm. seen, he's experienced, he's tasted, he's touched, and you want to be part of that. Mm. And, And I think we get in touch with the reality that we are made to be part of that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It becomes where we belong. Yeah. Rather than something we attend. Yes. Absolutely. And go to while, yeah. while we're enthusiastic about it. Yeah. So we can still be not enthusiastic in our flesh mm. because we're tired. Yeah. Or, you know, got other things going on in our lives and whatever and we need to make so it can be an effort for us to, in our natural man, get mm. ourselves in the car and go there and prepare the food to take and all that sort of stuff and turn up. And that's just part of our challenge against our flesh because the spirit mm. is willing but the flesh is weak. <laughs> but, yeah, it says it right there. <laughs> <laughs> but um, in the spirit is willing, absolutely willing because of what we've seen, because we've seen him. Yeah. Like you said before, it's not the people. We see the people as well and we love the people yeah. and they love us and we love one another. But that's because we see Christ in one another. That's right, yes. So he does so dwell different. on us. And mm. he does dwell on his church. He does. So and that, that scene. And they're not separate. The two are not separate. Not separate. Yeah. Exactly. That is the beauty. I was going to say, just on that point, that they're not separate. What would you say to um, regarding the eternal purpose? A believer might say, well, the eternal purpose of God is Christ. Yeah, I, I would say that. That is absolutely true, Mm. although I would say that for that to become a reality, God chose a vessel in which to make his eternal purpose a present expression and reality in the world, and that was through a vessel called the church. Mm -hmm. So the eternal purpose is made visible through a vessel that was chosen by God Mm -hmm. to be his counterpart in this eternal intention, this eternal plan, to give it visibility, to give it expression, and to create the vehicle by which the Son can be made manifest Mm -hmm. and his expressed rule and authority is taken up, is governed, completed through that vessel. The internal purpose is Christ, but it's Christ in his people that make him visible. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. The verse that comes to mind for me is in Ephesians that describes the church as the fullness of yes, Christ. Yes, yes, Ephesians 4. Yeah, and it's, I think it's, it's another paradigm shift, isn't it? And it's coming to terms with the fact, see, it is, it's all caught up in our identity mm. as the church. What is the church? Who is the church? Yeah. The church is the fullness of Christ. Um, so... He's the head and he is the body and we are the members of his body yes. that are that assembled together. It's all still Christ. Yeah. So the eternal purpose is the eternal purpose of God Christ? Yes. Is the eternal purpose of God Christ and the church? Yes. Yeah. Is the eternal purpose of God the church? Yes. Mm. Because Christ and the church are one. Mm. The head and the body are one. Yeah. So you can't have the eternal purpose of God. Without the body. That's exactly right, yeah. Although you can have, in a sense, the church exists today without Christ, the modern church. Yeah, because we're talking about different churches. Talking about different churches. (laughs) We're talking about God's original intention, but Mm. the church can be so driven by its own choices and its own thinking 
and its own emotion that it thinks that's what God wants. So you could say, can the eternal purpose exist without the true church? I, can, the, can the eternal purpose exist without Christ as the head of the church? Mm-hmm. Then I'd say no. Mm. Yeah. If the church is following its own vision, mm. if it's following its own choices, its own programs, then I'd say it's missed the eternal purpose. Mm. I would say, are they? Is the church in Christ? Yeah, that everyone has been mm. brought into Christ. Mm. But then, but the ultimate intention is for Christ to be a living expression through. Mm. Now we think we could say, oh, oh, that's the gifts of the Spirit. You're just mm. talking about the gifts of the Spirit. No, we're not. Mm. The gifts of the Spirit are inherent within the church. They are like the the diamond ring, or the or they're like the bracelet or the necklace. They're the things that adorn the body of Christ, but they're not mm. the body of Christ. No. The gifts are like the knife and fork are in the meal. Yeah. But do we sit around talking about the knife and fork all the time and focusing on the knife and fork? Yeah. Or are we sustained by what the knife and fork feed the body? Well, it's like, <clears throat> say for me, I played the guitar and if all – you ever knew of me was my guitar playing. Mm. Do you know me? That's exactly right. Is that the essence of who I am? No, Mm. it's not the essence of who you are. It may express in some way Mm. who you are, but Mm. it provides me with something of you. Yep. Just like a fork provides me something of the the meat. It's the essence of what is received through those gifts, essentially. Um, But it's not the fullness it's it's where we have come together to express the fullness of God. That's right. And there has to be harmony. But, you know, the greatest thing amongst any community in, in any of these situations is the cross. Mm-hmm. The cross is the key to a community because Jesus said, unless a man denies himself. We, we can't be his disciples. Cannot be his disciples. Can't. Yeah. Cannot. Mm. Do you want to leave it there? Yep. Yeah. Well, that's all we have for today, folks. So we hope you'll tune in next time for theancientpathways.com. And we'll catch you all in. Bye. See you. So don't forget to keep the faith. And now it feels like coming home. And you're the one I've always known to bring me back where I belong. This feels like coming home. like